Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Canada looking good to play for gold tomorrow. 13 minutes left in the third period at Rogers Place. Canada up 4-0 on Russia. New hook, McMichael, Perfetti on the power play did the damage for Canada in the first period. Schneider added one more in the second period. Late in the second period, Russia scored a power play goal. Canada challenged it for offside on the zone entry. And it's one of those that many of you and I'll include myself have come to despise over the years we've had the offside challenge in the NHL and why the NHL is changing the rule for this season the Russian player his skate barely hovering over the blue line but not touching the blue line as his lead foot was already in the zone as the puck crossed the blue line and it did get taken off the board for offside they they enforced the rule correctly Certainly have never really uh, liked that rule. I don't like the offside challenge in general, but at least they've changed it in the NHL this year where if a player's skate is over top of the blue line, even in the air, he will be considered onside. Both skates will have had to have uh, broken the plane of the offensive side of the blue line for it to be ruled offside. Uh, Despite that, pretty solid performance here by Canada tonight. They came out firing, scored early. Very, very strong first period. So they're up 4 nothing on Russia with now 12 minutes to go. And the other semifinal tonight scheduled to start at 7.30. That will have Finland against the United States. The Toronto Raptors in action tonight has not been a good start to the season for the Raptors. They're 1-4, and four, taking on the 4-3 and three Boston Celtics. And the Raptors lead at 32-23. The first quarter just ended. We'll keep you updated on that one as well. Kyle Lowry with nine of the Raptors, 32 points. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year. My name is Reed Wilkins. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com and you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Well, I'm happy to hear your thoughts on Oilers training camp as we'll touch on a few storylines as we go along tonight. I want to start with Yessi Pugliarvi, who is back. And this is his first, today was his first formal practice as a member of the Edmonton Oilers since late February of 2018. That was the season Ken Hitchcock replaced Todd McClellan as the Oilers head coach. And when that coaching change was made, Pugliarvi was in the minors. And after a couple of games, Hitchcock holds that media availability and says, I told Shirelli, call him up. Call him up. I'm going to work with him. I'm going to make him a player. There's a good player there. We need him. And Pugliarvi came up. And after a few games, Hitchcock was playing Pugliarvi even fewer minutes than Todd McClellan did. And we went through that season. And uh, the Oilers shipped some players away at the trade deadline. And they kind of went through the last month and a half or so of the season with uh, a fair amount of AHL players on the roster. And then late February, uh, we got word Pugliarvi's done. He's getting hip surgery. He was done. And his 2018 continued. 
Then we got word from Pugliarvi's agent. He's done as an oiler. He doesn't want to play here anymore. He wants to be in the NHL, but not with Edmonton. It ain't working out. We're going to Finland. So we're, we're either going to, you know, play in Finland or we're going to play in the NHL for a team that's not Edmonton. So Ken Holland came in as GM and said, well, we'll wait and see. We can talk to him. We can try to work something out. And now Pugliarvi is back after, well, basically a year and a half in Finland. He was on the ice today. The Oilers are having training camp at Nate here as the uh, World Juniors get finished up at Rogers Place. They'll have a couple of days at the downtown community arena, uh, arena later in the week. Don't forget the first game of the season and our first broadcast on 630 Chet will be next Wednesday, the 13th, 8 o'clock face-off against the Vancouver Canucks. The face-off show here on 6.30, Chet, will start at 6. And you may have seen this today. All the start times for all the games have now been announced. When they put it out, when they put the schedule out before Christmas, all the start times said TBD, the good old to be determined. Well, now all the start times have been announced. So basically... The large majority of Oilers games will start at, well, after 5 o'clock. And uh, there's one unusual exception that I'll tell you about in a minute here. But we're going to have some games starting at 8, some home games at 8. When they play in Vancouver, most of those games will start at 8. The Saturday night games, the Oilers sometimes will play the early one on Hockey Night in Canada, even when they're at home. For example, there are two Saturday home games in January. They're going to play the Canadians on the 16th, the Leafs on the 30th. So playing the teams from the East, those games are going to start at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. The games uh, you know, in Toronto will start at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. The one that, that – I mean, I mean, there are some variations throughout the year. Some games that will start at half past an hour. Some, uh, you know, some home games are 7, some are 8. The, the one that's kind of a weird one, you can skip way ahead here, on Wednesday, April the 7th, the Oilers have a game in Ottawa that'll start at 5 o'clock Eastern. So that'll be a 3 o'clock game in the afternoon on Wednesday, April 7th, when they take on the Senators. Anyway, just a bit of an aside there. You can go to the Oilers' website to get the full schedule and now all the start times. So Pugliarvi comes back, and I see him at Nate today, and I'm thinking to myself, I had forgotten what a large human being Jesse Pugliarvi is. I mean, he takes up a ton of space on the ice. His stats, you know, his, his, uh, his measurables, 6'4", just over 200 pounds. He's a big guy. He's not just, he, but he's not a tall beanpole. He's got some width to him as well. And you see him out on the ice when he gets uh, skating, when he gets flying, he's like a steam engine coming down the ice. For Pugliarvi, I think a lot of it is between the years and the consistency to play in the NHL. He actually has a fair number of NHL games under his belt, 139, but only 17 goals, 37 points. And uh, again, a couple of coaches wanted him to succeed. We're hoping he could succeed and it never worked out. So he's going to have to do some things away from the puck. He's going to have to figure out how to make an impact on the ice when he's not, quote-unquote, feeling it, when he's not having a great night. Today, he was on a line with Kyle Turris and Josh Archibald, and I'll get to the lineup and some concerns there as we move along tonight as well. So, Pugliarvi, the very, very early reviews, and, and we're talking very early, but the very, very early reviews, positive. Head coach Dave Tippett. You know, he's a, he's a monster of a man. He's a, he's a big man. 
I love that he's smiling. He looks like he loves to play. Uh, high skill for a big man. And uh, uh, in some of the skates that uh, have been previous here, I haven't haven't uh, saw them, but skating with the guys for the last three or four days there was a lot of comments of how how good jesse looks on the ice how happy he is he's uh he's engaging with his teammates so it's a, it's a good first step but he was a good player out there today hopefully uh continue to get to know him and um you know we'll see how he does in some situations but he he looked pretty good first for the first day all right so there, there's apparently a little bit of interest in Pugliarvi. Just for fun today, and I'll do this throughout the season, I, I, and this is just a bit of a, an aside I find uh, sort of interesting, maybe slightly humorous in an in a odd sort of way. Uh, just for fun, I, I put on Twitter a video of Jesse Pugliarvi just saying, hey, it's his first practice with the Oilers since February of 2018. It's a nine-second video. Pugliarvi does not touch the puck in the video. He's on a drill with Turris and Archibald. He uh, loops over the center ice face-off dot, comes in down the middle of the ice. Turris has the puck on the wing. I think it's Turris. Decides to shoot, and the goalie makes a save, and Pugliarvi kind of coasts behind the net because the drill of, drill is over. That nine-second video, according to Twitter, has been viewed over 17,000 times. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> I believe many of you are interested in how Jesse Pugliarvi looks, and uh, I don't blame you. I, I, I don't blame you. That, I mean, look, if the Oilers are going to become something special this year as a team, and we know that they have some special players, and they have some young players with some potential, and, and we know, I think, what the question marks are if you want to talk about goal prevention and goaltending and maybe a little bit on if the PK can be uh, up there again like it was last year. But if they're going to be a really special team, they will have a productive third line and a dangerous third line and a third line that can tilt the ice and isn't one that is just hoping to saw off on most of the shifts or sometimes just hang on. The Oilers have had not had that in a while. Uh, I mean, I've been uh, I've been covering the team firsthand for uh, almost a decade now. And depth has often been an issue. And, and some years they've had okay high-end players. I mean, even before they had McDavid and, uh, and Dreisaitl, Taylor Hall was in the top 10 in scoring a couple times. You know, Nuge has obviously had some pretty good productive seasons. But there'd always be a big drop-off. If Kyle Turris is a, is a good third-line center and gets around half a point per game, that's going to help. But he can't do it himself on that line. So whether it's going to be Pugliarvi, Archibald, Cahoon, you, you can pick some of the, the the suspects there that could possibly get slotted in. To me, that's going to be a big determining factor in how the Oilers do this season as to whether they can ultimately be a team that can push deep into the playoffs. And that we've talked a lot. The coach has talked about it. The GM has talked about it. The players talked about it. Leon Dreisaitl identified it yesterday. It's five-on-five five play. Can they be better on five on five on five, both defensively and offensively? Because the, the good third lines in the NHL, they don't just check. They can get out and score at times too. So this, this you know, Turris certainly is pivotal. Uh, given that Turris is a veteran and his point production has been pretty solid, I know that he didn't give the Predators what they wanted, but he doesn't have to be one of the Oilers' leading scorers. He's fine to be a third-line guy. And, and as I said, hey, look, if Kyle Turris gets between 25 and 30 points over a 56-game season, th then I think he's done a pretty good job. 
But who else is going to chip in on that line? Looks like Pugliarvi is going to get a first chance. So Tippett liked what he saw so far today, and uh, we'll see how he keeps going. I, I would expect – I asked Tippett yesterday. He said uh, they, they want to have some full-on scrimmages that are competitive as possible. They want to do a lot of drills in practice that are game situation drills that can get pretty competitive. There, they were longer sessions today. Uh, half the guys out in the morning at uh, ten, the other half went on the ice at one. They went for about an hour and a half each. They ended with a, a conditioning drill, with doing a lot of laps and chasing fast players around the ice and all that kind of stuff. So, that, but but at some point we're going to see actual scrimmages, which will give us a better indication, maybe of how things are looking up. Now, I want to get to this quickly for the lines. If you haven't seen them, I don't think any huge surprises. McDavid centered Nugent Hopkins and Cassian. Dreisaitl centered Yamamoto and Ennis. I mentioned Turris, Archibald, and Pugliarvi. Kara centered Nygaard and Chason. Keep this in mind, though. Unfit to play today, Devin Shore, who's on a PTO and will probably push to be a fourth liner. Gaetan Haas, who's going to push to be a fourth liner. James Neal, who could slot in, well, perhaps anywhere. And Dominic Cahoon, another guy who maybe could be a third liner or even a second liner and provide support scoring. None of those guys played today. We know with Gaetan Haas, from what Ken Holland told us earlier, that he played in a game in Switzerland where it turned out Players on the other team uh, wound up having COVID. So Haas had to uh, isolate a bit here when he got back to Canada. So we knew that he was going to miss the start of camp. Uh, And then for the rest of the guys, the word is just unfit to play. That is what NHL teams are being told to announce when it comes to injuries, COVID, illnesses, or whatever, just that you're unfit to play. So we'll see if any of those guys can get on the ice tomorrow. All right, 780-496-0063. Want to talk a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply about Ethan Bear, Jack Michaels is coming up. Five and a half left in the third. Canada up 4 nothing on Russia. Canada closing in on the gold medal game. About three and a half minutes to go at Rogers Place. 3.10 the exact time. Canada up 4-0 on the Russians playing four-on-four hockey at the moment. So Canada tomorrow will play the winner of Finland and the United States. That game starts at 7.30. Of course, the uh, tournament next year, once again, will be in Rogers Place. And the uh, non-Canadian pool will be at Red Deer. That's how it would have been this year until COVID rolled in and uh, they put everybody in the bubble in Edmonton to get through the tournament. Don't forget to head to 630Ched.com to get more on the Oilers, globalnews.ca. Going to be a lot of stories on that site now as we go through training camp and get into the regular season. So we were talking a little bit about Yessi Pugliarvi. He's back. Tippett liked how he looked today 
Ethan Bear on the ice a week after signing that two-year contract worth a total of $4 million. And uh, Ethan Bear coming off a pretty good season last year, became a full-time NHLer, played all 71 games for the Oilers, had five goals and 21 points. I asked Ethan today on the Zoom availability after practice, were you concerned about this dragging out, you not having a contract, and maybe having to miss the start of training camp? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was definitely in the back of my mind almost every hour, every hour of the day. Like, I didn't want to miss camp. Like, I'm a player who loves to be in Edmonton early. I love training and hanging out with the guys prior to camp and kind of getting prepared early. And, um, you know, it was definitely uh, dawning on me. And um, I'm really happy I got done so I didn't miss a day at camp. And, you know, that's that was very important for me. So I'm happy we didn't have to reach that point. We've seen players sometimes flat out hold out for contracts, or we've seen with Darnell Nurse uh, about a year and a half ago not have a contract, so therefore miss the first few days of camp. Dave Tippett has seen situations like this. He played in the NHL. Now he's been a head coach for a long time, and sometimes there is a contract situation. Sometimes there's an injury. Sometimes there's a personal issue, and a player just can't be there for the start of camp, and sometimes that drags deeper into camp. So I asked Tip the same type of question from your experience. Are, are you glad that this didn't go into the start of camp for Bear? I think it was very important. I've seen situations in both, and especially young players that get thrust in a situation where they're not in camp, they get behind in a hurry, get behind in a hurry uh, and it's hard to catch up. And so I was very pleased that Ethan, that the business of the game got taken care of and he was here to start. I know in talking to Ethan this summer, that's what he wanted. So it, uh, it worked out good for him and good for us because, and, uh, and as unique as this season is with no exhibition game, short training camp, if you get behind this year, you're going to be behind for a long time. So I'm glad it worked out the way it did. And Ethan Bear was paired with Darnell Nurse today. Chris Russell was with newcomer Tyson Berry, Caleb Jones with Adam Larson. Russia pulling the goalie as part of a Hail Mary effort. Dylan Cousins scores with a minute 29 left in the third. So it's now 5 nothing. Canada leading the Russians. 780-496-0063 is how you can chime in. More from... Oilers camp coming up. Jack Michaels will hop on the show as he's getting his play-by-play pipes ready for the first call next Wednesday. I'm sure Jack was using those pipes to scream in celebration yesterday. The Cleveland Browns, his favorite team going to the postseason. I have a feeling we'll touch on that too. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Happy New Year. Back after the news. wins at 5-0. Shutout for Devin Levi. Canada will play for gold tomorrow against either Finland or the United States. That game starts in an hour. Man, oh man, the Raptors just cannot hold a lead. Earlier in the season, they were having trouble holding leads in the fourth. Now a nine-point lead after the first quarter has quickly evaporated. Late in the second quarter, about two and a half minutes to go, Celtics up 51-42 on the Raptors. They have outscored Toronto 28-10 so far in the second quarter. You can text or call 780-496-0063. Dale writes in, he says, Hi, Reed. haven't heard anything on how the goalies look at camp. Dale, an important position 
And I think one that many of us, me included, have placed a question mark of at least some size over as we approach the regular season. I I will say this, from my point of view, I'm probably not going to offer too much on the goaltenders until I see a scrimmage. And then, you know, after the second scrimmage, probably get a little deeper into the play. play. I'll tell you what, Dale, I, I know they were on the ice yesterday. Some players were on the ice. It was a completely optional skate. Uh, I wasn't at Nate for very long to check it out. And and when I was there, there weren't very, very many players on the ice. Um, Smith was in one net and it was, you know, Chris Russell lobbing in point shots and three or four guys in front at, at a time going for tips and rebounds. So I don't evaluate much out of that today, more structure, more competition, but a lot of the chances against the goaltenders and, and don't forget besides Smith and Koskinen, Dylan Wells there, Stuart Skinner there, Anton Forsberg there, who's likely going to be the number three guy. A lot of the shots they were facing were were it was one high-grade scoring chance after another, a, a tip in front, something close in front, a guy walking in and getting a shot. Because, you know, you might do a, a two-on-one drill or a three-on-two drill, but those often end with a pretty high-grade scoring chance. Or even sometimes if there was some down-low work or a five-on-five, then those types of drills often end with whichever team gets the puck getting to break down to the other end and get an open shot on that goaltender. So because of that, uh, I don't put too much weight what I, what I see on the goaltenders today because they're often just facing a much higher uh, percentage of, of grade A shots than they would in a game, and it's not exactly like total game flow. But we will talk goalies, obviously, this week as we move through training camp. I mentioned the uh, the line combos, and Zach Cassian was up there with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins today. Cassian, two consecutive 15-goal seasons. Now, he only played 59 games last year. He did have those couple of suspensions. Uh, but, you know, pr- pr- pretty decent numbers. And, and I asked Zach, 59 games last year, this year you're going to play 56, and, and you got to 15 goals. Do you set any kind of stats, goals for yourself? I think you you have you have numbers to abide, but uh, at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. I know it sounds cliche at this point, but this is my sixth season here, and uh, we haven't done a whole lot of winning. We've had some success. Uh, we've had some bright spots. We've had some good stretches, but at the end of the day, uh, we've had uh, some failure and some uh, upsetting moments. So going into this year, obviously it's a short season. It's going to be high tents, uh, lesser games, but at the end of the day, we just want to grow as a team. I feel like we made a lot of good strides uh, before the pandemic hit. Uh, we just have to get back on that horse and continue to get better. And, and Cassian, I don't think he is uh, He is obviously not etched in stone for that spot on McDavid's right wing as we bring in Jack Michaels' Oilers play-by-play voice. We saw Zach not quite play to his usual level in the qualifying round against Chicago, and we saw him come off that line, Jack. And you and I have been on all the Zoom calls with, well, about uh, you know nine or ten players have spoken now. Tippett's spoken a couple times. And, and a lot of questions, yours and mine included in some uh, in some instances, center around depth, center around possible options, and, and it's internal competition. And, and look, Cassian has been a good fit with Big David a lot of the time, but if he drops off, there are other guys who are going to want that role and might be able to take it and run with it. Well, the other thing, Reed, is you know he wasn't just taken off that line, you know necessarily during the qualifying you know, series against Chicago. I mean, look, first of all, he wasn't alone in terms of having a bit of a drop-off against Chicago. But 
will remind you that he only scored twice after December the 20th. And there were times where Archibald replaced him on that right side. I mean, there were some different looks to try to get Zach going again. And, you know, so he scored 15, but consider he had 13 before Christmas. So, you know, and again, there was a, there was a suspension or two in there and, he, you know, he missed some time, but the bottom line is, is he did not finish the season as he started. Uh, was he necessarily a liability on that line? No, because as you know, you know, the second half of the year when the team really took off, you know, not that they didn't need Cassian's contributions, but they weren't relying them on anymore, you know, on him anymore. They were relying on Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto. That was the line that sparked the team in January and February. That was the line that put them right back in the thing, thick of things as far as the Pacific Division title was concerned. You know, one that, of course, was aborted when, uh, you know, when the season was put on pause with 11 games to go. So, I don't know where Cassian will finish. I think we spend so much time. I mean, you were you were kind of said you didn't want to you know spend too much time on the goalies, and you couldn't help yourself. We do tend to overanalyze at this time of year. I'm certainly not going to you know pay any attention to the goalies until they're scrimmages. I, I really am not. Like I don't learn anything. I cannot. I'm not smart enough to tell you all oh, the goalie looks good on day one of practice. I mean, I'm I'm just. I'm not blessed with that ability. Uh, maybe there's some guys out there who say, oh, he's, he's going to have a big year based on what he does first day of practice. That goes for a lot of players. But I think what you're going to see in this compressed schedule and in this compressed training camp is Dave Tippett may be forced into making decisions a lot quicker than he ordinarily would. And some of his patience in terms of letting lines find their chemistry or letting you know certain combinations of players or, for that matter, his goaltenders, round into form it's a little bit different of a mindset when you've got a short training camp and a 56 game season as opposed to an 82 game schedule there's no room for a three and nine start this year let's put it that way because the teams are going to be too bunched up i don't buy for a moment that toronto's going to finish far ahead of the pack and i don't buy for a moment that ottawa is going to finish behind the pack so you better be ready to go and zach joins a long list of players that's on that list yeah, and, and I'm with you, too, that uh, I don't think Toronto... I, I, well, I will say this. I buy that Ottawa is going to finish at the back of the pack. I don't think there'll be an absolute, like, eight-win doormat. <laughs> I, mean, well, I, think- I mean, a lot of people are saying Ottawa's, you know, a, a so-called lock to finish last. I don't think that's the case anymore. They've added too much. I mean, I, you know, the, the guys they've recently added, Derek Step. I mean, these are proven pros. Uh, Stepon, Paquette... You know, now you've got a goalie in there. You could make an argument, Reed, certainly not at the top end, but in terms of balance, I think Ottawa's starting to, like, catch teams like Montreal and Winnipeg, and they've got a goalie that if he can rediscover his form, and I'm talking about Matt Murray, and that's a big if, because Matt Murray has never been as good since Marc-Andre Fleury left for Vegas. Never, Never the same guy. And, you know, my colleagues and a lot of people can argue with me about the merits of Marc-Andre Fleury, but he made Pittsburgh a lot better and he made Matt Murray a two-time cup winner. I, I'll believe that until I'm old and gray uh, that, 
some of Murray's success, a huge chunk of Murray's success could be attributed to the fact that he always had Flurry, not only as a teammate and a mentor, but a, a guy to step in when he was playing lousy. And Flurry did it in both postseasons. So uh, there's a guy that if he finds his form, Ottawa all of a sudden could have an ace in the hole like Hellebuck who can steal them five or six games. I think it's going to be the standings are going to be awfully compressed. For a while I had Ottawa as kind of a, a team that might be a little bit off the pack. Now I'm not so sure. I, I, I do think they're not going to – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, Reed. But as we've talked about, they've been a tough out to Ed, for Edmonton. And now I think they have a roster that's, that's going to be a tough out for a lot of teams on certain nights. Jack, one player I, I was trying to keep an eye on, and, and there's a lot going on, on on camp. And like I said, it's a lot of shorter drills, cutting the ice maybe in half or even into into quarters or just using a, a corner of the ice for competitive drills. But I wanted to see Tyson Berry out there in person. There is no doubt he can pass. And I, I, I've been very bullish on what he can bring to the power play. And I really noticed today, you know, seeing him up close and in these drills, when he gets the puck from the point and tries to swoop into the slot or moves down and takes a pass, I hope you understand what, what I mean when I'm saying this, but he looks like a forward because, like you know, players have different postures. And, you know, some defensemen might get the puck in an offensive position and they almost look uncomfortable or they'll just take a quick slap shot and skate back to the point. I, I mean, he, he... What you're saying, I think what you're really trying to say is, Edmonton hasn't seen a guy this offensively gifted on the back end since Sheldon Surrey. I mean, that's, I think that's where you're really going, right? Well, I mean, Pronger could do it all when he was back there, but yeah, I mean, that's like, he's got a, Barry has a nose for the net. I mean, Sheldon Surrey was after Pronger. What I'm saying is it's been at least 11 years. I think Tyson Barry is at a level offensively from the back end that Edmonton has not seen on its blue line. Since since Pronger in 0506 and then Surrey after that, I, I I just I mean he's and but that's what he is. I mean I, I don't think we should be surprised. I read you remember plenty of nights where Colorado and Edmonton played, and and some nights the teams were talented and sometimes they weren't. But Tyson Berry was often the best player out there, even in a couple of the games where Connor McDavid was out there. Tyson Berry has has rescued Colorado from many a lost cause. Uh, I, I thought at times Tyson Berry was, a, I mean, a top three offensive defenseman in the league for sure and a top ten overall. I, the numbers suggest that. I, and so I am – you know, while I'm bullish on him, I'm also not really surprised. Tyson Berry joining this lineup in an 82-game campaign in a, under normal circumstances, Reed, if we're if we're in September and the pandemic had never happened, we are projecting Tyson Berry to have 60 to 65 points with this club. Were it not for the year he spent in Toronto, and and I'm not even sure he played that poorly in Toronto. I, I don't think he got off to the greatest start, and I'm not sure how great a fit he was with Mike Babcock. I, I know he was playing better by the end of that season, and I have no 
like no reservations, only excitement about Tyson Berry. But it's tempered by the fact that I'm not going to be surprised by anything this guy does. If you look at his career, he is likely going to do in Edmonton what he's always done. And that's average, you know, two-thirds to three-quarters of a point per game. And you mentioned it. It might even go north of that with that power play. If the power play is able to stay top five in the league all time, which is a huge if, Tyson Berry is going to be a primary reason why. That I can guarantee you. And, and I think the power play will be uh, – I, I do think it's going to be up there around 30% because I think Barry's going to score more than Clefbaum. Jack Michaels joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He's the play-by-play voice for the Oilers. He's calling a game next Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Oilers and Canucks, our face-off show on Chad will start at 6. couple other things wow. for you, Jack. When you put it that way, Reed. It really does sound soon, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's ne- it's next Wednesday. It'll, it'll be nice for us to finally be in the building. we waiting for so long and now all of a sudden it's kind of snuck up on us. Well, yeah, not a lot of lead-up time, and I feel like we sort of lost a few days of, of thinking about it maybe over over Christmas and, and New Year's. But it, it was it's it was great being back at, at well, in a rink today. Speaking of play-by-play, I called the odd Nate Ooks game back in the day <laughs> when I was going to school there in 98-99. I enjoyed my time. Like, I, I like the old Burns. I like Clark Drake. Uh, you know, I like uh, Claire Drake, excuse me. I, I like the old barns. I, I have an affinity for those. We've had a chance to, uh, the Canadians have an old practice rink. They occasionally go to, I don't know that they'd still go there, but, uh, every once in a while you get a peek at an older, older barn and it, it you know, it, it brings back nothing but good memories. I, I had a chance to do a game uh in what they called the checker dome the old charlotte oh, yeah. barn, you know built in the early 1950s i did a game in toledo reed where the the ice was 180 by 76 it was a world war one project I, you know i mean it was just so cool i mean the phone lines were a disaster i ended up finishing <laughs> the game on a cell phone but i you know i i do i like the rickety barns one of you know I mean, look, it's great being in the NHL, but I do regret that I didn't get here quick enough to, you know, say broadcast a game from Maple Leaf Gardens. I don't really feel like I missed out with the forum in Montreal simply because the Bell Center is so spectacular. And I'm I'm sorry that you didn't get a chance to experience that this summer at the draft. Maybe maybe someday and out in the future we'll have a chance to get to that building because I think you'd really enjoy that place. And I think you'd know what I'm talking about in terms of, you know, whatever the forum felt like back then, that's what the Bell Center does. And, it, 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 you know, there's something about the way it's constructed. So I enjoyed being. I, I went to two games at the side. Bell Center in March of 2010 as a fan with my oh, mom and dad. Right. Sorry, Reed. One of them was an Oilers game. The, the Canadians won in a shootout. Okay. We got to see. Who we was, got to who see. Was with you on that trip? Who did what? My, mo- what my mom and dad. We saw oh, we aren't... saw the Oilers and the Canadians on a Thursday night, and then we got to see the the Canadians and Bruins on a Saturday night, and that was the year the Canadians wound up going to the East final, right. and Price had kind of an off year, and Halak became the number one goalie and played in the playoffs, and about Scott Gomez was on that team. And uh, yeah, that's right. And about, you know, they introduced the starting lineup right before the game, but about 15 minutes before the game, they introduced the entire team with just their images on the scoreboard. And the fans booed Carey Price when he came up. 
Well, <laughs> I was like, well, exactly I'm in right. Montreal. They're booing Carey Price. <laughs> yeah, for so many years, uh, you know, Halak was the most recent Canadian to win a playoff series because it took a while for Price to finally win one. Uh, they made that one trip to the conference final. But, you know, the thing about that year that I remember is Scott Gomez telling me, you know, it's funny. We were the eighth seed, and the one team we didn't want to see in the conference final was the seventh seed, and that was Philadelphia. He said that was right. that was our worst matchup. We would have taken anyone else in 2010, including including Pittsburgh and Washington. Remember, had had a huge regular season, and and was knocked out by Halak and the Canadians, who who went through, you know, the two tough two tough teams, and then they couldn't hand, you know, the two on paper Washington and Pittsburgh, and then and then could deal with uh with philadelphia and chris pronger kind of wrapping this conversation around 360 if you will all right before i let you go you know i have to ask buddy the browns did it and not only do they get a postseason game they get the well the first ever sunday night postseason game because usually the the playoff games don't start that late on a sunday but now they're having one because they have six games instead of four so the browns uh they're doing it how, how are you feeling about the matchup against the steelers well, it's a chance to exercise the demons, that's for sure. Uh, the Browns have lost 17 in a row against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, They actually lost their first 16 games at Three Rivers. I don't know whether you know this. They, so they've had a 16 and a 17-game losing streak in Pittsburgh in our lifetimes, Reed. That's, that's pretty significant. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing I'd say is their their last two playoff games both ended in losses to Pittsburgh. So, uh, in fact, the 2002 game, they were up 28-10 in the third quarter. Not that I remember that game from start to finish. But in any event, uh, that was when the immortal Tommy Maddox brought the Steelers back from 18 down. But I digress. Uh, this is a new New year and you know what it is 2020 now 2021 Reed I'm as excited as you can imagine and I'll tell you what I would take Browns and the points if uh, you do have a betting segment in this show which I hope at some point you eventually come around to the other thing is I want some pictures from that Wilkins trio trip because I heard when the three of you get out on out on the road there's no holds barred I've heard uh, I, I, I've talked to a few bouncers who have your dad in their in their book. I, I think he is barred <laughs> from a couple of places on the eastern seaboard, if I, I got, remember correctly. I got a binder of pictures right by my desk. I just I just picked it up. It's a lot of food and a lot of pictures of the Bell Center. I'll scan some and send them to you. All right, fair enough. And I, as as I recall, also uh, Judy likes those late night shots, so we got to keep her out. You know, I want to I want to keep her out, but only to a certain time. All right, all right, Jack. Thanks for checking in, buddy. I'll probably see you at the right tomorrow. Is that an accurate portrayal of the road trip, or am I exaggerating? What What did you call my mom? <laughs> I threw out Judy. <laughs> no, her, her name's Louise. I was like, who are you talking about? I knew it was a mom name. See, my mom has a mom name too. It's Mary. And I was I was I, I knew it was a classic mom name. Louise, not Judy. My uh, my dad has the classic dad name, of course, Lloyd. So I mean I have parents who have real parental names and I knew you were in that mix too. <laughs> Jack, you are an absolute treat to have on the show. Have a pleasant evening, buddy. I, I couldn't spoil Monday Night Football for you today. There's no game. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you gave a lengthy enough uh, dissertation about the goaltenders and the scoreboard. So I think I actually got onto your show somewhere around 645. So you at least owe me eight minutes next time around. All right, we'll find it. That is Jack Michaels. We got to call a quick time out here on Inside Sports. All right, that was fun as always to have Jack Michaels on the show as we get going with Oilers training camp. We talked a little bit about Ethan Bear, Jesse Pugliarvi on the ice. Dave Tippett likes the way he looks. No Cahoon, Neil Haas, or Devin Shore today, all unfit to play. We'll see if any of them jump on the ice tomorrow. Uh, Jack threw out that my uh, mom's name is Judy. My mom's name is Louise, though actually my mom's name is uh, Lubeau. My mom uh, grew up near Lamont and uh, Ukrainian family. And when she went to school, she was asked her name and she said it was LeBeau. And the teacher said, no, you can't be LeBeau. Uh, that's not an English sounding name. You'll be Louise. And that's how my mom got to be Louise. I, I would think that type of uh, name alteration would not go over well in this day and age. Anyway. Bit of an aside there. 780-496-0063 if you want to check in. Oh, we'll visit with Blake Dermott. He's always a blast when we get back. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.